Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yeah. IT, are we good? All right, so good afternoon, everybody. Good to see everyone. I always say that. Good to I like that. Good to have you all come be a part of our mid-month meeting. We do meet twice a month. Uh, first meeting is the first Tuesday at 6 o'clock, mid-month, third Thursday at 5 o'clock. So you're welcome to, uh, right now you can attend personally or you can certainly watch us on live stream. We have uh, the one of those opportunities and we hope to keep it that way unless such time as things change. So we're grateful for your audience today. Mr. Brown, has the meeting been properly advertised? Yes, sir, it has. Thank you, sir. Good day. Uh, I'm going to ask Mr. Mosley, he would come again. He's our in-house chaplain. He would come and uh, uh, do our prayer, follow by our pledge. Please stand for the invocation and the pledge. <coughs> Let us pray. Most kind and benevolent Father, we stand before your presence tonight. Thank you for your goodness and your graces and your mercies. We ask tonight, Father, you would be with this body, Father, as they deliberate on the important business for the citizens of Liberty County. Pray you continue to be with them and strengthen them. Pray for those who aren't here. And Father God, we pause and pray for those who still struggle through the pandemic. We pray that you will be with them too. This we thank you for and all the your mighty blessings. In Jesus the Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Mr. Brown, the chairman makes a special note that we have in our audience today, the mayor of Walthyville, Mayor Larry Baker, and the mayor of the city of Midway, Mayor Clancy, and the mayor of the city of Riceboro, Mayor Chris Stacy. And then I did see mayor Paul Flemington. Hawkins. Yeah, there he is there, the mayor of Flemington. And we got a stacked house tonight. We can take care of some serious business, all these mayors in the house. <laughs> when mayor Brown walked in? Where are you, Mayor? There he is. Yeah, yeah. There he is. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, I do see Councilman Rouse and other Councilman in the in the room. Good to have you all. Good to have each of you who, anytime you come in the little doors, you are VIPs. Good to have you all here to be a part of this process. Mr. Chairman, uh, don't forget our good favorite buddy over there. The coroner. <laughs> The coroner. <laughs> the coroner. The coroner. The coroner. <laughs> Thank you, sir. The sheriff's coming to present in just a little while, but our sheriff is with us today also. Mr. Anyone help me out. I'm trying to make sure I recognize all of our good and appointed people. Good to, good to have you all in our audience today. Uh, let me say this. And, and the Commission Thrift and I already said this will be a short agenda. Here I am doing a lot of talking. Um, I want to say this now, because after just having recognized the mayors, uh, we will um, uh, soon, on November 8th, uh, splash is on our ballot. We also had our loss, LOST, local option sales tax um, uh, meetings, and I will say that these uh, mayors who you see in this room and, and their staff have been a, my mom would say, a joy to work with. They have been a joy to work with. We appreciate the collaboration. We appreciate uh, the vision they have for each of their respective municipalities, but we appreciate the vision they have for the whole of Liberty County. And I want to give them a round of applause for <laughs> And if you don't, don't know, some communities fight over that, but we no fighting here in Liberty County. We work together for the good of all. I want to tell you all personally how much I appreciate 
uh, your contributions to that episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, while we're on that, I see Mr. Brown, we need to amend the agenda. Mr. Chair, uh, we did have a couple things come to us that for the commission to consider. One is a lease agreement, renewal of a lease agreement for uh, the sheriff's office for the uh, property on 196, and the other is to uh, adopt an agreement related to the splash, uh, I'm sorry, for the lost disbursements mm -hmm. in an intergovernmental agreement with the city of Hines related to that. Okay, so we'll make those uh, commissioners on the new business. That'll be, uh, I guess, item B would be the lease agreement. 7B, 7C would be the loss in the government agreement. Please don't let me forget that. Um, let's see, we can do that by consensus or, or you all can, let's just do it. Let's just do it right. Do a motion. A motion to amend the agenda. I'll make that motion, Mr. Chairman. A second. 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 A discussion? All in favor, show of hands, please. The agenda is amended as proposed. Thank you so much for that. All right, uh, introduction, Sheriff Bowman, please come. Good evening, everybody, fellow commissioners, Mr. Chairman, guests, friends, fellow law enforcement officers and the agencies coming, mayors. Uh, thank you all for coming today. Uh, let me uh, go back. I missed one. My fellow partner in crime from uh, Fort Stewart, Mr. Bart Kanak is here also representing Fort Stewart. Um, it comes a time in... Uh, when you're in charge of an agency, when you have to make hard decisions and for the betterment of the agency and also for the public and for the um, citizens of Liberty County, which is the, my foremost um, thing that I care about most of all is making sure that all the citizens are protected, feel safe, and make sure the agency is going in direction and uh, to fulfill the goals that we want to fulfill for the future of Liberty County. Um, I recently had to make a change at uh, my chief deputy position. Uh, chief Brown served us well. I don't want to take anything away from Chief Brown's effort, what he did for the community and for uh, our country and our nation. So I thank him for his service and his family. But we're moving on. Uh, we're going to do different things and uh, um, get our vision a little bit more clearer for the public and for you as commissioners to see what we're doing, how we're doing it, and just <coughs> everything open book so you can see that we are doing the right thing at all times. Um, uh, my new chief deputy is a man that I think everybody in the state of Georgia knows. <laughs> um, I haven't been to a law enforcement agency yet in the state that don't know um, Al Hagen. Um, all the way down to the people that cut the grass, they know him. So he's well known, he's a very educated man. He has his experience in law enforcement, 24 years with the GBI, even though that's the enemy of the state patrol, but we just still <laughs> love him. <laughs> and he also spent seven years with uh, Bryan County. Uh, I'm not gonna put out his whole career, I'll let him do those in his words. So I'm gonna step back from the mic and I'm gonna introduce you to Mr. Al Hagen, new chief deputy of Liberty County. 
Well, this is so humbling. <laughs> Coming from Pembroke, Georgia, you know, born and raised in Pembroke, Georgia, and to travel all over the state and end up close home and to end up here at, even part of my career started here in Liberty County. I was a dip, uh, probation officer, uh, surveillance officer with the probation here in Hinesville started. So it's amazing to be able to come back and be a part of leadership. I'm just honored when I look out here, people I've worked with over the, over the many years, what it tells me is that I was trying to do something right. And I think it, <coughs> it shows here today. Um, to the honorable elected officials here, I want to say thank you. To, of course, my esteemed commissioners, I look forward to working with you. My job is to make sure I carry the message for the sheriff and that it trickles down throughout our agency and that we present ourselves in a professional manner at all times, no matter the socioeconomic situation of anyone. It's, it's going to be me pushing to make sure that we're well trained and put the best law enforcement agency out there. I want to recognize the fact that my former boss, who just gave up about two minutes ago, <laughs> that it was okay for me to come with Sheriff Bowen. Um, but it, it just goes to show you that we, we re I believe in building bridges that we can all come together and actually work together and that my former boss would come. So I, I, again, I feel like I did something right. I'm proud of the Walthyville Police Department. And so now I'll do move on. And I wanna thank Sheriff Bowman who, I was, I've been off of several jobs but, and, and really turned a lot of them down. But here, when I met with Sheriff Bowman, I know where his heart is. His heart parallels mine and it's to take care of people. And I promise you we will do that and um, it's five, a little after five o'clock. I won't keep you much longer, but I welcome anyone who have any questions. To, I have a, truly have an open door policy. Come see me. You don't have to say, well, can I make an appointment? You know, it'll probably help you, save you on time just in case I'm not there, but truly come walk in, see me. Let me hear what suggestions you have. I do want to meet with each commissioner one-on-one -on -one just to hear your vision as well. Um, because we have to work together. And it's, you know, like I said, I'm humble enough to hear what you're saying. And I know <coughs> there's a lot of decisions we may not like, but you make them because there's other things bigger than this. And one of the best things happened coming here was to be able to sit in with Chairman Lovett and Mr. Brown over here in those splash meetings and truly understand where money go and has to go. So uh, believe me, I understand that. And I look forward to continuing that. And with our, our law enforcement partners, I promise you, we will do what we're supposed to enforce you and your community. Our citizens, not just elected, but our everyday citizens, we will make, I will make sure you represent yours in the professional way possible. I want to say thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to serve Liberty County. Thank you. I just gonna uh, only take a few minutes because it's gonna be the first time that we ever done this before is to get you a swearing in over here in front of you uh, so you can see exactly what we do and what we swearing to and what we gonna do to uphold uh, law enforcement here in Liberty County. It is truly an honor for me to have Al Hagan come and join the team and uh, he's gonna be a great asset to not only to me but to the citizens of Liberty County. Al, if you stand right there. Thank you. Thank you. 
Raise your right hand. Say I and state your name. Do swear that I will faithfully execute all writs, warrants, precepts, and process directed to me as Deputy Sheriff of Liberty County, or which are directed to me by all sheriffs of this state, or to any other sheriff especially, which I can lawfully execute, and true return make, and all things well and truly, without malice, partiality, perform the duties of the Office of Deputy Sheriff of Liberty County. During my continuance therein, and take only my lawful fees. I do further swear that I am not the holder of any unaccounted for public money do this state or any political sub of this state that I am not the holder of any office of trust under the government of the United States, any other state, any foreign state, which by the laws of the state of Georgia, I am prohibited from holding and that I am otherwise qualified <clears throat> to hold the office of deputy sheriff according to the Constitution and the laws of Georgia. So help me God. Jan, now I present to some and introduce to others Chief Deputy Al Hagan. one final thing to the commission and to the audit. Um, we are trying to move in the right direction. We are totally going to be transparent with everything that we do in the Liberty County Sheriff's Office. You got a problem, see the chief or call me. One of us will try to help you the best way we can. One thing we're going to promise you, we're not going to go to jail for you, but we'll help <laughs> you to that line. <laughs> uh, and on a sad note, I'd like to... Uh, offer condolences to my fellow sheriff, uh, Craig Owens of Cobb County, uh, because he lost two deputies last week because they mm -hmm. ambushed only ex out there trying to do their job by serving a warrant. So let's, uh, tonight when you go home, say a prayer for the Cobb County community and also those officers' families because that's, uh, that's a hard tragedy to lose officers in the line of duty. Thank y'all so much for being out here. Thank you everybody for coming in support of uh, the Liberty County Sheriff's Office and supporting Al Hagan. Uh, I can guarantee you there's greater things coming. Thank y'all so much. Thank you, Sheriff. <laughs> Congratulations, Chief Hagan. At this time, those of you who need to be excused, you can be. Uh, you're certainly welcome to stay for the duration of the meeting.
All righty. Presentations offer early learning grant. We need to come down. Mr. Chair, uh, for my last meeting, y'all approved a list of five recipients for the uh, Liberty County Government uh, ARPA Educational Assistance Program. Uh, these funds y'all put aside to help um, nonprofits improve uh, learning opportunities for young people who may have been uh, negatively impacted from the uh, pandemic. And so tonight, we want to recognize those five uh, entities. Uh, the first one is Do Right Ministries, doing business at Heavenly Place Child Care Center. They um, were awarded, uh, y'all approved funding for 21315 As part of the process, we agreed to give them one half of it, and during the end of the process, give them the remaining half of it. Ms. Patula is representing Do Right and Heavenly Place tonight. Uh, the next... <laughs> uh, the next recipient is uh, the Liberty County Boys and Club Girls Club. Edna Walter is here to represent them. Uh, they will receive a award of thirty thousand dollars, and. Uh, <laughs> uh, the next recipient of the grant, for, uh, grant funds is uh, Lightside Empowerment, Mentoring and Tutoring. That's represented by Mr. Larry Murray, Jr. That was a total of twenty-two 
The next grant, grant recipient is one hand washes the other, and that's a grant amount of $8,099. And the last one uh, is third to the ninth power, and uh, that's a award of $10,000. Vanessa Collins. Chair and members of the board, these uh, funds will go toward personnel, equipment, supplies. Does that come in there? Yeah, that's good.
day before the moon came. We call our meeting back to order. <laughs> You're giving the money at the end. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. coughs> yes. Finance reports, Mr. Tim McLaughlin. Yeah, <laughs> what he's going to say. A helper. <laughs> Good evening. Good evening. Your July report. Not a lot going on the first month of the of the fiscal year, but um, I'll report on what we have so far. Um, <laughs> we've only collected about two percent of our budgeted revenues, but that's to be expected. Um, we've spent about six percent of our budgeted expenditures <coughs> on target. At the end of July, we had 6.6 .6 months worth of operational expenditures in our undesignated unreserved fund balance. And this time, uh, one year ago, we had 4.6 months worth of operational expenditures. Um, it's a little misleading just to let you know because we received, uh, we, we booked $12.5 million in bond revenue in the month of June. So um, in normal accounting, that's recorded as a liability, but in governmental accounting, that bond is recorded as revenue and then turns into fund balance. So um, I don't, you know, we're, we're about the same place we were last year, <coughs> but the reason it's uh, so much higher is because of that bond issuance. So I didn't want anybody to think that we all of a sudden had so much more revenue than, than normal. Um, at the end of July, there are two departments that had to make some upfront purchases, and this is normal. Um, at the beginning of each fiscal year, data processing makes um, annual payments for the financial software, for the uh, website, and for the parcel builder software. And so those annual maintenance contracts hit his budget all at once in the first month of the year, so it kind of skews that. Same thing goes for Superior Court when we pay 100% of the law clerk ex uh, expenses during the month of July. That kind of skews that budget. Uh, some months. 
Um, all of your, your solid waste is operating fine. All of the departments within solid waste are operating within their uh, budget. They've achieved about 7% of their total budgeted revenues and they've exhausted about three and a half percent of their budgeted expenditures. Um, all of your special revenues are operating um, right on target. And sales tax continues to look fabulous. Uh, during the month of July, we received a little more than a million dollars. So at the end of July, we are already five point $25 million ahead of schedule for the 54 million. We've already collected 52 million at the end of July and we still have um, about what, eight more months to go. So we will definitely exceed the 52 million. So looking good, same thing with PABT. Um, that's running about $452,000 ahead of schedule. So both uh, sales tax continuing to be strong all I have for your July report. We have not finished closing the month of August. I do expect us to finish tomorrow uh, actually closing the month, and then we'll start on the monthly report in the following week. Well, I had a good uh, visual I related to attend the ribbon cutting for Huey Magoo's <laughs> uh, convention. I, I ran right by. They, they have lines Overnight. around there. <laughs> and then when I went by Chick-fil-A, they still had lines around there, too. <laughs> Chicken. So, you know, there's no let up. There's no let up. Great. <laughs> Preferably, we get to do some projects. I know Mr. Brown, there has to be on the referendum. I understand that. <laughs> That's what the rules are. But they forget to do uh, some extra work. Uh, take those projects further along. So, we appreciate the uh, citizens supporting the uh, commercial establishments here in town and certainly helping us out when it comes to the needs of the county. Yeah. And just seeing how how strong the sales tax is, is just another um, testament as to why everyone should continue to support SWAC and, and the individuals who um, so that it's the most fair tax that there is. Everybody shares in it, even visitors. So it, it is a, a great tax. Yeah. I've got a question for Ms. Kim. <coughs> yes, sir. Do you have a line item for the uh, convention and visitor review? So um, we do collect hotel motel tax and um, it's actually in a separate fund. And once a month we move out 60% um, of that into the general fund and the other 40% other of that goes to the Liberty, Liberty County Convention and Visitors Bureau in support of their efforts for marketing tourism. Um, we only receive hotel motel tax from those hotels or motels or short-term rentals in the unincorporated area. So every municipality has its own ordinance and receives their own collection of hotel motel tax depending on where those properties lie. Um, interesting you should bring that up because just this week, I believe it was, I had a conference call with a company looking to um, maybe do some partnership with us to help us identify some uncollected revenue possibly. A um, lot of short-term rentals, Airbnb, VRBO, HomeAway, 
all of those things like that. We we received little bits, um, but in talking in this conversation, they work with the GIS department. Um, they also have software that searches those sites for reviews to to validate that yes, there is a property in this area being rented. And I was surprised to learn that just in the unincorporated area, there are 69 actively rented short-term rentals, either Airbnb, VRBO, HomeAway, that sort of thing. Um, I, I was really quite surprised, and that's only in the unincorporated. So um, that's one of those things where you, you really got to pre be proactive. You got to have the time to to look at that and <coughs> maybe um, do some forecasting and some investigation to see if there are some facilities that are not remitting. Um, not Some use a third-party processor, and so when we do get money, say if we get a check for $150, it's not identified where it came from, you know, what property or how many nights. It, it's just a monthly amount from, say, a firm in Chicago that might be that third-party processor to collect those types of payments. Um, what I suggested to this person, because I certainly did not have the time. Right now, we're going through the ADP conversion, a lot going on in finance. But I did forward the information to Mr. Brown and Mr. Mosley and suggested that this might be something um, that we should maybe partner with, maybe the city of Hinesville, city of Flemington, because I know there's probably a lot of short-term rentals. I'm not sure how they're collecting it, if they're monitoring it on their own, how they're identifying uncollected sources of revenue, but that would be something definitely I would hope that somebody could take the time to look into. Well, I guess my question is leading to on last week, the 7th, on WPOC, there was a statement made, <coughs> and it reads like this, the most recent data covered July 2020 to June 2021. During that time, Liberty County Tourism Leader say visitors spending saved each household in the county a total of $377 in property tax uh, during 2021 uh, and increasing it by $122 from the previous year. Now, I, I got a couple of phone calls on that asking for explanation. It was on TV. Mm -hmm. okay. And I'm, I'm just well. I, I think yeah. they're they're saying that because tourism brings people here. Economic so impact. It, right. So we collect local option sales tax, right. which okay. helps reduce the tax burden. Then the more local option sales tax you get from these general funds, the less millage you make. Right. So again, there's if there are untapped short-term rentals or something, and and the, and there are there there are. Um, that that might be something we could look into. Liberty, I mean, Liberty County, because we only do unincorporated, I want to say um, on an annual basis, we may collect somewhere around 130 to $145,000 a year. Not not a lot in a $48 million budget, but certainly the larger municipalities, Hinesville and, and even Flemington, um, would collect much more. Hotel Motel Tax, you know, Flemington certainly would collect the lion's share of that. Uh, that's the hotel, Motel in the city of Flemington. Okay. 
but you're right, our financial statements made it. It talks about the economic impact of tourism, how those, those dollars come to the community, and by the, those dollars coming in, it lessens uh, uh, what people would pay for property taxes. They're able to calculate that, you know. In fact, uh, Mr. Brown, we talked one time about maybe having Georgia Southern do an economic impact uh, report on its, I know they do it for Chatham and Bullock, just on Liberty County. I, I still like to pursue that. Uh, see, you know, Dr. Marrero, the uh, party president, but just to see what our county's numbers look like. I, w I was surprised to learn that in, because um, when I was on that call, I asked, well, what about countywide? He said countywide, there were about 238 active mm. short-term rentals. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, well, how do you know they're active? He said, because they, they verify they're active by the reviews. So if a mm. property has had a review, then it's been active because those sites don't let you post a review unless, unless you stayed there. Yeah. So um, they can <coughs> prove that it's active. They can prove that it's been rented. And um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I know, too, that Flemington has a firm that um, monitors their hotel, motel tax collection. Okay. I heard them say that. To try to ensure that they collect all that needs to be collected. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Engineering, Mr. Long. Good evening. Okay, so uh, I'll try to go through as quick as each as we can, please. The uh, Trade Court 8 West EMS building, the contractor is working on it. <coughs> They're struggling with uh, rainwater and groundwater on that site, but they're trying to work to get that resolved so we can get the footers done. We're about halfway through the footers so they can get moving forward and get that building up. Uh, we have done a lot of work on the highway safety, uh, Highlands Highway Safety Project Assessment. Um, we plan on answering questions on that. Um, the Mill Park Recreation Park, um, the contractor out there is also struggling with as we uh, get more information at this point. Um, the fire station is moving along. The guys are working on the uh, footers for that building, and they're moving things along well. Uh, the county is supposed to be digging the ditch in the back where they haven't been able to do back there because it is so wet. Mm -hmm. so the county, it, we also have been dealing with the rainwater and stuff. So uh, the Gun Branch uh, Saw Waste Center, uh, Mill's going through a lot of these. Waste Community Center. I do want to let you know that uh, this project is at risk, and the contractor has requested to be uh, enclosed part of Ray Road that's right there beside um, the Saw Waste Convenience Center for a period of about a month, starting in about two weeks. Um, we got a very narrow right of way right there. We have a lot of rain through this right of way. to let traffic through and then we'll end up having to close that and we'll probably have a lot of problems we have some similar things that go on in Wells Road which is the road right in front of the uh, 
all this mint kind of keep trying to say shrimp taste great to me. <laughs> That's why all of everything. We were also raising that way, um, almost a separate species when we get ready to get things together next year. It'll be some real uncomfortable times when you get that question a lot. I know they're working with us to try to get that done. <coughs> that material is not there yet. Uh, that's why they're looking in a couple of weeks to say, only going to get one one truckload a week. We'll do the first, first truckload next week, and then another load the following week, and then they want to start in the third week, so that you'll get your third load the following week. So we should have enough there to get started. Now everybody knows why they're not there and what's going on with them. Um, I did... Uh, Absolutely, we're gonna have to figure out some type of value engineering. Yes, sir. To no, I out. agree. Absolutely. I agree. When I got the number, I was like, "Woo!" Yeah, me too. So um, we can kind of look at a few of those things. We are working on the water system. Um, Sam and I are looking at some budget things to come back to the state, and I am ready. Take some more steps. Um, yeah, Mr. Chair, uh, the water system on Lewis Fraser. <coughs> have we determined how far we can go down Lewis Fraser? Can we go all the way out to 710, or is that going to interfere with Riceboro? We're going to stop a little short. Um, we are probably going to be about 400 feet shorter than it was. Um, that's where our budget sits this year. Um, our service delivery area goes out a little bit more. What I was looking at, maybe if we could close up that gap and meet Riceboro, you know, somewhere down the line, so we would have a continuous. So everybody has water. Everybody would have water. Yeah. Yes, sir. <coughs> no, we, we we have that on our phones and every single one of them is on there in terms of what their budget is going to be. So when you get time, shoot me a map or a drawing, show me how far. How Lewis Frazier we could actually go. Actually, I'll probably get Keith to send that to you tomorrow. Okay, good. Okay. For the budget resubmission, we're having to do with the state is because of the increase in pipe costs between the time we submitted the grants, which is almost a year now. Um, so we've got to make justification for those increases just in our service area. You'll see, uh, and we can hopefully get that approved tomorrow first. Those are the big things, other than Mary Todd Road, we're trying to get started on the sidewalk project, surveying for that, seeing how that impacts on the service system. There are other things on the agenda. I don't need every one of them unless you guys want me to drop that in. What about, what, what about the update on the uh, Utah Canal Bridge?
if you get the update on the uh, Eight Hill Road easement project, it's helpful. Something that's gonna we're gonna build a box for ourselves and uh, something that's gonna start not next week but the following. Resurfacing for Celeste Davis over in uh, Allen Hurst. Yeah. I knew there was something I was not saying. So that, that's, that, that, that's, that's why I'm here. I knew I was missing something. I but, um, and I'll, I'll follow up with an email because we're going to need to get um, Kim involved. But um, we'll see um, what Allen Hurst, you know, how much they could contribute to that. And I've talked with the, um, the chairman and the, uh, the chairman and I are gonna split the, the remainder once we find out exactly what Allen Hurst has, then um, the chairman and I will split the, <laughs> uh, the remainder. <laughs> but you, you know, that's, that's his old stomping ground. It's right around the corner from where he grew up at. So, you know, it's, it's just yes, natural. I, I did, we did do a nest. It, it's just natural that he would- um, Help out. Travel those roads quite often. <laughs> yeah, sure. We but, did uh, do an estimate. It's about five hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, but we'll 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 see what they could do, and then um, chairman and I uh, I'll do the rest. So if you would just put it on your uh, report, I'll send an email out. I'll copy um, Kim, uh, Joey, Mr. Uh, Mosley, the chairman, and um, Steve Wellborn over in um, uh, Allen Hurst, and we'll. Get it moving, get it out for bid, and let's get it done. This, that project is a long time coming. That is one of our worst roads. It is a bad road. Yeah, I think it's the worst um, paved road that that I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. It is right up there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And um, that's everything. Yeah. If, and there are, I'll I'll talk with you. You don't need to put it on your report, but I'll talk with you about um, another road that I had that I wanted to finish up before the district line changed, but I'll, I'll catch you on, on that this week. But I'm going to send the email, um, you know, kind of summarize what we talked about here tonight for Alan, Alan Hurst, okay? Sir, we'll right. be, we'll be glad to help. Yes, sir. Mr. Chairman, Adrian, how you do, sir? Great. Thank you. Um, a couple of things. Uh, my neighbor behind me, um, we talking about that right away for the drainage. Yes, yeah, sir. He's um, getting kind of angsty and he wants to know where we at, what we going to do. You were supposed to be fixing up some paperwork for him to look at or to sign about the easement, that pond. Yes, sir. Well, we were doing it and drawing it up, and then he said he wasn't going to sign the easement. So we kind of backed off. All right. Well, he's still asking questions. And the last I told him, I heard that. When I spoke to you last, y'all were drawing up some paperwork for him to look at, but yeah. he's still... Uh, so I, I thought when he said he wasn't going to sign anything, and uh, so we were just backed off. But I'll go back and get those drawn, and uh, I'll have those to you before the party next week. Because he's still talking about if we can't come up with some satisfaction, uh, solution to his satisfaction, that he was going to... Uh, I guess close that easement off that right away and we will have to find another route for that. Yes, sir. Um, I understand. Um, and also, uh, my speed humps at Limerick Lake George, um, I'm steady getting calls about those. 
and telling her the same thing over and over and over. So I'll just okay, keep. If you, if you don't mind, let's you and I talk. Okay. Find about the cost of those and you know see where you're going and make sure where you are on those before we pull that trigger on that. All right. I've got. I moved some of those into your sidewalk drive on Rome and Hammond. I, I, I saw that. And could you update me on that uh, last item on the sheet there, the Liberty County Solid Waste Landfill and the work at Limerick Road? Oh, yeah, the, the waste landfill, we have a landfill over there, and um, we have to do estimates for can over or closure post closure. Closure post closure cost is part of our ongoing maintenance and draft, and we kind of have to go out and look at what the status of the landfill is and look at what needs to be done. And we make uh, estimates with to her every year and they get included in your, uh, all of the reporting and that comes from you for that. Well, the, the landfill itself is closed, but do we still have the uh, transportation? So you, you have the, the, the solid waste landfill that is on Limerick Road. It is the closed landfill. So you have a um, closure, post-closure period. So you, you have closure activity, and then you have post-closure And we have to monitor the landfill <coughs> for a period of 30 weeks. Um, we have to do testing and look at monitoring wells. Then we have to go out and make sure we don't have depressions on top of it. It'll hold water. The, the water would take three to four weeks several things that you look for. Um, we're, with our landfill out there being a unlined landfill, um, I'm not sure that we'll ever completely come out of monitoring of that landfill. You know, the, the goal is at the end of the 30-year monitoring period, we come out of monitoring and it's safe before then done. But um, we, unlined landfill, it's got some of the sandiest soil we have in our area, and so we're always developing methane gas always developing some sort of contamination from what was going in there. So we'll, we'll be battling that thing for a while. Thank you, sir. Okay, let's, about the next couple of months, let's go back and revisit uh, Bill Cotter Road. We'll get with Mr. Kim and make sure that there's actually enough money to go ahead and see what we can do with Bill Cotter Road. I was thinking it was feeling pretty bad the other day when I drove it. Yes, it's getting worse. Thank you, sir. Well, my friends at LCTC, tell me, any news on the, the digestion? Uh, yes, I, I, we, hopefully we'll get some preliminary numbers on that later this week, and she can Try to start working on that. Posting. Thank you. Mm -hmm. LCTC. How about that?
Good afternoon. Um, I'm here to present the final plot for the colonies at Habersham Plantation, Phase 3E. This is the last of Phase 3E. Um, it's a Habersham development. I was want to say you promised. I do. Um, Sierra Long Engineering designed this. This is 20 lots on 22 and a half acres, and it's off of Wilkins Road. This is the, the general outline of the entire phase. I'm sure you're all familiar with this at this point. <coughs> And this is how all the phases have gone. Um, the bottom three colors, the red, the blue, and the purple, those were A, B, and C, and those were eight lots each. The green had 11 lots, that was phase D, and then uh, we are now considering uh, the 20 lots that are there in that brownish orange color at the top. Plot has three sheets. <coughs> um, the the lo uh, lots that are highlighted in purple are on sheet one, sheet two is the green lots, and then sheet three, is the red lots and also the signature page. One thing to note on sheet one, there is right here, what was originally um, preliminary platted as an easement is now gonna be a common area track that would be, is being dedicated to the HOA. It's for drainage and access um, to the pond. Those are the middle lots there, and then the last two lots and the signature page. Um, as with the other ones, each one will be have its own septic system and be provided water by a privately owned community water system. We did just this afternoon around 4.30 get some uh, correspondence from the health department that pretty much says they're okay with, with it. Uh, we don't have the signature on the plat yet though. So um, the plat was not ready for, for Mr. Brown to sign today. Um, other dedications for the county for this, this phase is uh, 2100 foot extension of Wilkins Road, and then the drainage system within the right of way for the street. And then other dedications to the HOA is that uh, drainage access track and then drainage easements are being dedicated to the HA HOA or the property owner for all the drainage facilities outside of the right of way. Um, street trees and sidewalks are not yet in. But um, the installation and maintenance guarantees have been received and they're in the form of cash as usual that are being held in an escrow account. The secondary improvements, um, the cash escrow is $50,368.10 and the two-year maintenance is $20,786. Health to PC staff recommendation is um, approval of the final plot with standard conditions for the colonies at Habersham Plantation Phase 3E standard conditions, and then the special condition is that the Department of Health shall sign the plat prior to the county administrator doing so. So make sure you have that done. Um, this will be the last signature before it gets recorded. And that's all I have today. Um, as usual, Mr. Charles Way is here as the developer if you have any questions. Thank you, Mary. Any questions for Mary's presentation? Mr. Chairman, um, I know this uh, phase three doesn't have anything to do with phase one and phase two, but I shared some uh, correspondence, I think, with you and Mr. Brown about concerns of some residents in, uh, I guess, the uh, stage one, the earlier part of the development that we're still putting out fires about drainage and 
of the water settling in the roads now. And I just wanted to bring that to our attention because I think that's fell on our responsibility for maintenance and taking care of it. And two, I wanted to ask the question about uh, once we, I guess, approve this um, flat, when do the when does the county take over the maintenance of the roads and stuff once we approve the flat? When do we come in as far as the maintenance part of the roads and sewers and stuff? Or has that been addressed here? several calls and I think the correspondence I shared uh, several pictures I guess with the excess rain we've had recently it's ex it exposes I guess the weak spots more so now and moving forward I just wanted to make sure we put a more emphasis on that so that we won't have to be coming back chasing these things over and over and over yes sir no I understand that Trent, what he raises, though, is a, is a question uh, 
having the several different builders in, quote unquote, doing their own thing. And then the county or the commissioner then becomes responsible and gets to hear the complaints from, from the residents. So how do we not go back there? Subdivisions and Kirby doesn't, and the way we have it set up, we don't want to have subdivisions. We also, in the, in the last phase of this ordinance, there are several lots in here. Wherever we could, we eliminated the roadside districts and driveway pipes because the lots are naturally sloping across. And so, in phase one, you got a house that's level with the road. Lots that, that the houses are three or four feet above the road because that's the natural slope of the land. So they put out better grass. Um, and I will say this if I do another phase of Appleton, you want to see the fruits of that? I don't have to. We can take it back. Um, and phase three in particular, when, when I got there, all of the stone base was already in the roadway. And that makes it very difficult to go back and put in curb and gutter. We, we looked at that. Typically, the curb and gutter goes in first, and then you put the stone in between. And when there's already stone there, those curb machines can't, can't plow through that compacted stone like they can dirt. And so it was either do it like we had been doing it or tear out the entire rivulet there and start from scratch, which wasn't, wasn't a feasible option for us. But I, I share your um, disdain, as it were, for a roadside district that didn't plan. Can turn down. Can't hear. Sound. We sound good right here, but yeah. I, uh, Mr. Chairman, I've uh, also on the same subject. I've had a chance to ride down there and look at what y'all are doing down there now. The last couple of days, and especially when I started getting the phone calls during the excess rain and uh, that phase three where y'all are at now, even though y'all are not complete with it yet, um, I see better. Uh, I guess results of what y'all have completed so far. I guess the houses aren't finished and no traffic yet, but um, it looks, uh, I guess, more uh, suitable than the first phase for the amount of water and stuff. So hopefully uh, we don't have to keep coming back, rehashing this subject over and over once we get responsibility on the road. If the ditches do work, I think one thing that would help from the county standpoint is, and they may already be helping, is they make general drainage part of the building inspection process when they do a QO. Because now I can tell you there are some out there that <coughs> and that they could have said, well, we need to cut some dirt out here because the water goes in the wrong direction. <coughs> so that's just a suggestion, not trying to shame on anybody. But if they, if they go out there before they Very easy for the builder or the landscaper to get 
Observation because that's where I saw it was headed with my um, introduction on this. That uh, I think we need to hold the developers a little bit more accountable before you know the ink dries, and then we won't have to keep coming back chasing these issues over and over and over. Uh, the one resident in particular, I think, been in that phase one since pretty much day one. Probably one of the one or two first um, buyers out there, and um, they're grievances have been non-stop, especially when it comes to the road and the drainage. So that's something I want us to be aware of moving forward and anything that we can do to mitigate anything else moving forward. Um, I think we need to address it. Thank you. Yeah. All right. I have a question. If, if you could go back to uh, the IT guy, if you could go back to the, um, the slide with the um, had the homeowners association on there. Right there. Okay, and um, it's dedicated to the HOA, and I, you know, I deal with HOAs of, of what used to be a HOA all the time, and then you know it's a brand new house, HOA, all of that's good, and then around the seven-year period, the people that brought the brand new house today of going on and somebody's renting it and this happens and that happens and um, you don't have a HOA. Now, and Joey, I, I don't know how, how that really works, but when, when there's a HOA, but, um, and I don't, I've never read one, but I hear, hear people talk about them and I know that they, that they don't work after a certain period of time. And so is there any way that we can legally have some document about it, HOA that they'll be responsible um, forever, if not longer? I'll get with the county attorney and talk to him about that. I know every HOA agreement's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. we, uh, and generally, you're right. If they're not renewed uh, by a certain period of time, they, they cease to exist. So, in by term, people moving and or them not being renewed, right. and or the original developer or whoever not being there, but you know, try to find. But I mean, you know, I'm just thinking from Clinton, from the uh, or whoever at the time would be at the road department, to have to stop and go down there and cut the grass in front of um, somebody's house, or um, and not only cut it, but the, they're going to want it to be maintain like the Augusta National. So you have to go down there every seven days and do all of this stuff where we got a whole county. And right now, we don't have to worry about it because of those three letters, HOA. But down the line, that, that disappeared. And you know, we're in a transit community, especially in Hinesville. Um, we got brand new subdivisions coming up every day. And um, but again, about five to seven years, all of those people are gone and you got a, a renter or the second owner who had no part of that. And it's growing up and the, and the phone rings and somebody wants you to go in there and not only cut it, but manicure it. You know, and that's- I serve, I serve that's, a, that's the level of service that, um, as my mama used to say, that's a lot of sugar for a dime. I'll, uh, I'll check with county attorney and see what legal options. Yeah, I mean, if we could put that in there, then we could always show them that, and we never have to worry about it, ever. Yes, sir. 
Okay. Okay. Four things too. There, there's, there's information that I set up. Um, before I started phase two, we set up a new HOA and covenant. So owners in phase one are not. Some of them have elected to join. Most of them have not. All of phase two and all of phase three are now required, no matter who they sell the property to on down the down the line, to be a part of the HOA. They're required to pay dues. They can uh, ask to be leaned if they don't pay the dues. Um, and the main reason that we made that a common area instead of just an easement was it's, it's a common area that prevents that homeowner from putting a fence right to the top of that drainage pipe because it's still their property. Whereas if it's a common area, they know where their property line stops and they can't put a fence on top of the drainage pipe that they see from their neighbor. Um, but so there, and, and there is a, the HOA does have a landscape company now that maintains the insurance on that. Um, Keyword being now. Sorry? Keyword being now. Yes, sir. And okay. I, I, to be fair, I'm not the declarant of the HOA. Um, mm -hmm. I, I do not dispose of the mm -hmm. So, Mr. Chairman, Mr. Way, are you saying that that is not going to be an appendix? Is it a covered pipe? No, I mean, it's a covered pipe. It's a covered pipe going there through is, there? There was a 10-foot easement on both sides of it, mm -hmm. um, which is typical, but... Um, we took that, that that land doesn't count towards the lot really anyway because you can't use easements or use the lot area. So we simply took it and made it a property line instead of an easement. That way the homeowner knows for sure that they don't own that and they can't put a fence on it, they can't put a playground on it, they can't whatever. Mm -hmm. Prevent anybody from access to it. Right. But I, and, and I guess what, what, where I was headed, and I wasn't talking about this one in particular, I was talking about HOAs in, in general, and I know what, what happens to them. And, and um, you know, this one here may last forever or longer, this one, but generally they, they don't. And uh, Clinton's phone rang and somebody wanted to go in there and, again, like I said, not only cut the grass, but um, probably even put fertilizer, I mean, just yeah. make it look, make it look better than it's actually looking. You don't permanently lose it. All right, um, Mr. Chairman, I'd like to make a motion that we accept the re recommendation of the LCPC to for approval of the final plat with standard and special conditions for the colonies at Habersham. Second. Any further discussion? All in favor, by show of hands, please. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your personal interest in this thing. Yeah. I guess the only thing uh, I didn't hear you, uh, we didn't, uh, when, when you said the county is going to go out and, and start to make, you have to restore the drainage. Okay. Which areas do we need to excavate and which? Mm -hmm. 
Keep in touch with uh, Commissioner Jones here, so he can. Vince, how much, how much more workload is this going to put on the road department? Increased freezing. No, well, they will go out and make that repair out there. Have any repairs out there? Yeah. Uh, That's what I'm watching. Keep Mr. Commissioner Jones abreast. About keeping all of us abreast who got roads. Reducing the driveways would be a good thing. <clears throat> I was talking about they're calling yeah. him now, so he needs to be able to but keep I've got some fan issues too. Okay. okay. Right. New business tax assessors, Mr. Dennis Roberts. Has anyone failed to audit? So the Board of Assessors, when I presented this information to them, this is something that we receive, you all as the county commissioners receive, uh, Mr. Brown, you received it, the Board of Education receives it. So this is a report that the state does. It's kind of like the report card for what our office does on an annual basis. And so, let me get to the next slide here. So this year, just giving a little bit of information about it. Um, the second paragraph that you will see there, the digests were based on property transfers during 2021. These transfers were supplemented by appraisals. The values of these sales and appraisals were matched to assessments on the 2021 county tax digest. So in layman's terms, what that means is once our office prepares sales and the, what ultimately is the digest for a year, the audit department, they come in and they take the sales that take place in our county. They just go in and they do a random sampling of sales. This particular year on our next slide, they did a sampling, if you'll see up top, they took 499 sales. What I failed to bring to you tonight um, was the number of overall sales. And I wanna say just rough guesstimating because I did not get the exact numbers from our mapper we probably did somewhere in the neighborhood of about 2,500 sales or deed transfers in 2021. And so what happens is the audit department, they go in, they do not contact our office. It's just random sales that they go in to see if we're really keeping up with fair market value. And of that sampling of the 499 sales, when they did their overall ratio for what our office, our overall ratio for county values for the, the year of 2021, we came in at a 36.62 ratio. Our goal is typically to be between 38 and 40, 40 being dead on fair market value. The 36.62% represents that we're still within the guidelines of state mandates, which is usually, which well, those guidelines is that we have to fall within a ratio of 36 to 42% coming in under a ratio of 38 means that it's a loss in revenue for the county. And so for the year 2021, we, we understood, we presented some information to the Board of Assessors. Ultimately, they're the ones that sign off on value recommendations and things of that nature. The sales, 
did not bring values up to where they really needed to be. And that was in an effort to try and look at the overall state of the county, the overall state of the world, technically, because of COVID crisis and things that are COVID um, things that were taking place the world over. So our ratio for 2021, what we were hoping or were very hopeful of was that the state would step in and do some sort of moratorium. That did not happen. And so our being um, a little lenient, I should say, in the valuations as far as the increases, because I say this over and over, Liberty County is, is kind of an anomaly. We were not being, I guess, we were not in a recession as much as property values, as much as some of the other counties in the state were. Now I preface this 36.62% with, I believe if my math is correct, there were only about 40% of the counties in statewide that even came within the acceptable range for the year 2021. So Liberty County, it's not that we're, we're out there, we're alone in this, that you know, we just missed the mark. We were trying like other counties, the market values, properties were selling so quickly and I mean, just rapidly, it was very hard to keep up with the increases to property and still try and look at the impact that it would have overall on the county residents. But I said all of that to say, if you look at the classes of property, they did the individual classes, you'll see real property, which is what's really moving right now. That was our lowest ratio. We were at a 38.62%. Personal property, we came in lower at a 36.62%. Current use property, and what that refers to or has reference to are our conservation use properties, um, preferential properties, those specialized assessments as it relates to land. That's what that refers to. So we have no choice. The state sets those values. And so those came in at 40%. And obviously motor vehicles came in at 40%. The public utility ratio is what, let me see the next slide. When they, oh, did I go too far? I'm sorry. Yes, the public utility ratio um, as I stated, when they go to our overall ratio there, when we fall less than the equalized ratio of between 38 and 40%, as you'll see the public utility ratio calculation, the 36.63 is what we have to assess public utilities at. If we fall outside of that 38 ratio, we have to not assess at the 40% for public utilities, we have to assess at whatever the state comes in and says. So what that does is that results in, it's a small loss in revenue in, in the entire scheme of things, but that last slide there, if we were able to meet our mark at the 38 or, or higher, the projected digest stayed the same, the 242,143,730. But the public utility ratio at 30%, the total difference in those two from a 40% ratio to what they assessed us at for 2021 is an $8,000, I'm sorry, $8 million difference there. And when you do that times just the county millage rate alone, that's a loss in revenue of $312,000 for 2021. But what that also does, because we came in at a lower ratio for 2022, which is the digest year that we are currently working on, I also have to assess public utilities at 
the lower ratio. Anytime we fall outside of that window of the 38 to 40, we have to assess at whatever that lower ratio is. And so again, like I said, we've not done the calculations because obviously the revenue, the digest has finally been set. I, Mr. Jones sent that information to Ms. McLaughlin earlier today. Now I can tell you in the overall net digest for 2022, as of today, there was a 9.2% increase over and above last year. And at that increase, we still fell below fair market value. So that's just giving you all an idea of where we're going to have to go with values. The state kind of does us a disservice because obviously these reports don't come in until after we're well underway with the next year's digest. So 2022, we, we tried very hard to get back into that 38% percentile. We won't know until around this time next year whether or not we hit that mark. Because once they do their samples, we don't get a say in those samples. And when I say what they do to those samples, they take the sales, we get transfers every Monday from the state of the properties that have transferred for the week. Of those 2,500 sales, they randomly select 499 or whatever that magic number is for them on an annual basis. They actually send auditors out to the different counties and they conduct their own appraisals on those properties. And when we're out of sync with where they feel those property values need to be based on the current market data, which are the current sales, they assess a value. And when we fall below that, that's what ultimately affected the overall ratio and put us out of line of where we typically strive to be. So that being said, like I said, going into 2022, we're going to have to assess public utilities at a lower ratio, which is at the 3663. I can tell you a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. That's what's something that you all have graciously approved in the budget. We are working with a company, an outside company that's going to assist us with the land value in, let's see, what was it? The agricultural, you see the ratio there, which is our land, we're at a 35. So we're even outside of the acceptable range on our land sales. The residential, like I said, we're outside of that acceptable range because they look at 36 to 42. But fortunately, the other two classes of property were able to carry us to put us within an acceptable range where the county was not faced with a $5 per parcel penalty. When we fall completely out of range, there's the possibility that the county gets hit with a $5 per parcel penalty. And so the Board of Assessors felt that it was necessary to let you all as the commissioners know, these are some of the reasons why values have to increase. This is not something, we're taxpayers too. We reside here in the county, but when we're setting these values, these are based on, it's the data. It's not pulling numbers out of the air. It's not, we're picking on a particular section of the county state regulations mandate that we get properties to fair market value. And when we don't, this is the result of our not reaching fair market value. So we do have, uh, we've contracted with a company that's coming in to assist us in our land studies, the residential portion, we, we know, we know where we're failing, but will it result in major increases? Unfortunately, it will. 
but we don't have the latitude to say we're only going to do 2% if it yields or dictates 8%. If we want to stay within the mandated guidelines, we have to increase the values based on the data, which are the sales that are coming in. Mr. Chairman, I had a question for Ms. Roberts. The, um, when you say utility, yes, ma'am. Taxing. Oh. So the public utilities are all the utility companies, you know, Georgia Power, Atlanta Gas, Light, whomever. But what, what gets taxed in our county, the state has specific auditors that come in. Every mile of cable, whether it's underground, every overhead line, if, if it's CSX or whomever, the tracks that come through, anything that's construed to be a utility or that has anything to do with that utility, whether it be their land, their actual buildings, all of that, those are valued by the state. The, the state values? The public utilities, yes, ma'am. The public utilities. So do you tax the poles? Yes, ma'am. They are taxed. The poles? Yes, ma'am. Light pole or Georgia Power running cable? Yes, ma'am. The other, so it was, that was out of sync? Or that was about right. Wasn't the public utilities were in line because we don't ever, some counties, they go in and they challenge the state's values on public utilities. But the state fell short too. So to answer your question, it wasn't because we don't challenge those, those values. We don't have the expertise to go and value cables that run underground or know how many miles of cable run through this county. So the state says, we'll do that for you. And we don't challenge that. Most counties don't. There are a few counties in the state that challenge it. We're not one of those counties that challenge that. But yes, ma'am, they, they actually value that data and they, they send that to us and it goes into the digest for the overall total valuation. Okay, on the residential, are we, the ratio, you're showing 35.63. Are you trying to get that to 30, between 38 and 40? Yes, ma'am. Is that the company you hired to help do that or just the agricultural? The agricultural is what the company that we've hired to do is coming in to assist us to do that. We're capable, the staff that I currently have, we're capable of doing that, but our sales agriculturally are so all over the place that we're going to have to go outside to other counties because the schedule that is currently in the system has not been updated since 2013. So in order to get more accurate data and to derive a more accurate fair market value that's truer, that's where we're going to have to look at. And I'll just be honest with you, what's happening to us is the small acreage parcels. You're not gonna find a small acreage parcel and we consider a small acreage parcel anything that's 19 acres and below. Just to give you an example, our schedule currently, a small acreage parcel, and I don't wanna speak out of school here, so I think I'm saying this correctly, but we're somewhere in the neighborhood of about $10,000 for an acre. That's very, very hard to find today for an acre of property. The other part that's happening is there are a lot of properties that were considered agricultural properties. Well, now they're transitioning to developmental properties like we just heard. And so when you've got a property that for years was valued at eight or $10,000, now it's a lot because now it's gone over to the residential classification and you're paying 50 or $60,000 just for the lot. 
it takes things out of sync. That's all I have, Mr. Chairman. So, so Ms. Roberts, they, as far as impact to our current budget, yes, sir. Then, then we need to project as we're looking at the millage rate less revenue because of for 2021. Yes, sir. 312,000. Well, because that's what we'd be collecting this year. Correct. I would have anticipated for the budget, so we're actually we may have over anticipated. Correct. Okay. Correct. And that was the reason that the Board of Assessors wanted this information brought to your attention so that you're aware that that situation exists. And this is for 2021. Yes, sir. So next year, when I understand you say next year, this time period, we'll be looking at 22. Well, yes, sir. You'll be looking at the 22 study, and which, like I said, it kind of gives us a disservice because our 2022 work has already been done. So we won't know, we, we project what our ratio is going to be. We project that we're falling within the 38% percentile. It depends on what the state comes back and says when they conduct their own appraisals as to whether or not we meet that mark or not. All right, so make, make sure I understand what I'm at. 40 is the highest. Yes, sir. And let's say we had a 30, 35.63, we'd be in trouble. Yes, sir. Because typically speaking, we're with the 36.63, we still fall within state guidelines. That's what's mandated by the state. So we're still in there. But the audit department, the department that conducts this study, if we fall outside of their range, which is 38 to 40, this is what happens. We have to collect on a lesser amount. Okay, let me get to that's the overall. Yes, sir. That's the overall ratio. I know that gets a little confusing when you're talking overall versus the individual classes, but they go through and they they apply a ratio to each class of property individually, and then they give us an overall ratio, which makes us pass. If we were based on an individual basis in two of our areas, we would have been out of compliance. How does the Board of Assessors in its effort to do diligence decide where to place the assessment, knowing that you have to try to meet this ratio? So how do you decide? I, I remember early on we were trying to make sure that we didn't escalate the values too high because we didn't want to hear <coughs> from the citizens that, well, you have... So... I'll give you a prime example, and, and that's a very good question. I appreciate that question. So typically what the Board of Assessors, what we do, we have zones, and each appraiser is assigned a zone. So those appraisers, they run these same calculations. They run their own ratios by zone, and zones are specific areas of the county to where we're covering the county as a whole. So right now, let's just take residential properties as a whole. Residential properties are selling, we have proof, we have instances where they're selling for 70 and $80,000 over and above what they were selling for brand new 10 years ago. That's unheard of. So when you're looking at something like that, you try to get to a happy medium because you are still gonna have properties within a subdivision they're still the original owner. 
They've done nothing to their property. And so what you guys ultimately hear and what we hear is you raise my value and I haven't done anything. But your neighbors around you, if you are suddenly a property, that you're in a neighborhood that is all of a sudden, you know, original owners have died off, children have come in, they're looking at the money, they're selling it, and they're getting top dollar. We have to make a decision. Do we increase 20% or do we only go 10%? That's the decision that the Board of Assessors has to make. And in making that decision, we also have to consider what's the audit department gonna do? Because the audit department, they're not from here. They don't live here. They're looking at hitting that mark. So it just puts us in a really, really precarious situation. We've, we've tried to look at that for 2022 because I had some inside scoop after the fact that you know we were gonna fall a little low. So for 2022, we have increased, which is why you're seeing some of the increase, a lot of that's, I can't say a lot. Some of that's um, inflationary. Some of that is actual real growth. What the audit department is gonna think, whether or not we're gonna come in, I would hope and suspect and keeping my fingers crossed, we're gonna look better than this for 2022, but I don't know. I don't know if we increase property values enough to, to make that mark. Do you have any um, information looking at residential for next year? Um, let's say my house now is valued at $200,000. Looking in your <laughs> crystal ball, what would what might that value be? It would not be unlikely for that property value to increase twenty five or thirty thousand dollars in a year. And I mean that's just being totally honest. one or that one okay that has to be for 2022 what my question to the audit department was whether or not those public utility companies because taxes have already been paid for 2021 now that this study has come out, do public utility companies have the opportunity to go back and say, look, you overtaxed me, because that's, that's basically what happened. The answer to that question was, they have the ability. Thus far, no one has come back and asked of that. Because they get records of this too. It is 40%. Yes, to drop that down to the 36, that's correct. Just for that portion, that's absolutely correct. That is correct. Yes, so if a person has those specialized exemptions, such as our local exemption, the KUW, whatever. So if that in, if that increase yields 
a 10% increase in their property value, they're not going to be increased with greater than a 3% increase. However, that additional 7% increase, it rolls over into an exemption and your exemptions go up. Hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Did they did they just randomly pick Liberty County to do the audit? No, ma'am. All 159 counties get this audit annually. Annually. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, ma'am. And from what my mental calculations are telling me, I don't, I don't have the numbers right here. I believe there were about 60% of the counties this year, and probably better than that. That was from my memory. About 60% of the counties fell outside of the 38% this year. And uh, you think those numbers would have changed if, if the state would have did a moratorium? What I think would have helped if the oh. state had done a moratorium, it would have frozen right. the values to help through the COVID crisis. Because right now, we're not going to be able to sustain the prices as they've continued to climb. At some point, we're gonna reach a plateau and that's gonna go downward. How long that's going to take, I don't know. See, and, and, and that's why I, I was asking that question. You know, uh, I, I was, I saw it in 2008, you know. Right. So, I wasn't on this side, but I was on, on that side where you all are. So that, that's why I was just wondering, because of course we, we know right now we're, we're fighting the, the, the I and R word simultaneously. So I'm just wondering, <clears throat> and I know we're talking about next year and the ratio, but I mean, where, where will the real estate numbers be at? That, that's the, the big thing. And it unfortunately requires us to have a sort of a crystal ball because we don't know. We just know that from a county standpoint, and from a budgetary standpoint, a financial standpoint, we need to hit as close to fair market value as we possibly can. In doing that, it's going to cause an increase in property values. Right, no, if and if, right. Right. But then, I don't know, next year, where, where will we be at? Because, you know, uh, we don't really know where the values of properties are going. No, no. and I can in tell last, you. In the last couple of weeks or months, the values are starting to drop. So. They are starting to drop <laughs> nationally. Right. Liberty County. It's been kind of, yeah. We're not dropping, I can tell you that. Right. The values are consistently, I mean, yeah, we are seeing some foreclosures. So I can't say um, we're not plummeting, I'll put it that way. Right. There, there is a slight decline in property values but as you can see, new houses are still coming on board. I mean, construction is still there. Sales are still taking place and people are getting top dollar for their property. Doesn't matter if it's a new property or an older property, they're selling. And something that's unique, I can't say that it's unique to Liberty County, but I can say that it is a unique situation. Um, I have not been able to talk with some of my counterparts, um, neighboring counties. But one of the things that's unique here that we're seeing is there's not a lot of locals that are buying our properties. <laughs> Thank you. So, absolutely. you know, yeah. the prices are being driven by, by persons outside. that are investors, 
And I don't know if you all have access, but the rental market in Liberty County is out of sight. Right. So not only are you having property owners that are coming in, a lot of these properties are being bought or purchased sight unseen. They're developers, and they are getting rental prices that are out, out of, this, of world. this world. Thank you. And uh, Mr. Chair, I, I, I don't know how we could do it. I don't know if we need to sit down with, with the real estate board, but I'm telling you, if, if we don't figure out some type of way to, to get some type of affordable housing in Liberty County, I, people are not going to be able to afford to do this. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's the truth. Well, ma'am. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know you, you, you see me back to my real estate day. Uh, thank you, Mr. But this is the reason, you know, the Board of Assessors, you know, I did the same presentation to them so that they too understand values when we present information to them for property value increases it's based on tangible data that exists it's based on tangible sales that exist because as i continue to stress to them if we don't put it there the state's going to yeah. um, i think you said earlier that that yes Shows a potential growth of nine point nine point two percent in our net digest for twenty twenty. Where are we? Twenty twenty two. What's that number in a good year? Usually somewhere around two to three, maybe three to four. Okay. Right. right. And that goes back with that the I word, correct? Absolutely. interesting it will and i'll be getting that report since you since you hear um that that 9.8 percent most of that's uh, commercial mm, it's a good mixture. good mixture there's there's commercial but there's also a very good bit of residential that came online this year you said 2200 Sales? About twenty five hundred sales. I mean, what's what's a good what's a good year for for sales? Well, prior to COVID, we were probably somewhere in the neighborhood of about maybe nineteen hundred two thousand. So if that's an indication of what, and simply because people are looking at the market, mm -hmm. they know now's a good time to sell. And and also with, with the the. Uh, low interest rates as well and now we're dealing with interest rates coming back up so hmm. there's a lot to consider there's a lot thank you ma'am you're very welcome I think. yeah <laughs> <laughs> thank you all well thank you for sharing those good to, uh, i'd much rather hear it from you than to hear it you know in the street so yes, and i hope those folks who are watching live stream uh, can appreciate what you just presented to so and, and uh, Commissioner Pierce White, you did it in a very user-friendly way, so we, we understand. Yes, um, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's almost a I hate to say a guessing game, but you all have to be uh, right. Yeah. We're we try to be very proactive, and and if if there's any consolation, we always err on the side of the property owner mm -hmm. as much as we possibly can. But there, I mean. You know, fair market value is fair market value, and the state mandates that we are within 10% of fair market value. Mm -hmm. So, we, so by by using the methodology, did we will not be fined? So, no. But 
we lose $312,000 of value. That's correct. That's correct. Got it. Okay. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you all. Thank you. Good job. Please keep the communication open, Pat. Those are communication open for Pre Appreciate it. Uh, 7B, lease agreement. Oh, yeah. Standards building. I, I have your background. I'll, I'll let you know. Thank you, sir. <laughs> hey, Mr. Chairman, thank you. This is a lease agreement consideration for renewal that for the uh, property out on 196 that y'all approved last year. You approved a one-year lease on it. That's where the Sheriff's Department, off, some of the, their operations are. That's at 1763 Highway 196 West. Uh, the rental term is not projected to change. It's $3,500 a month, and the sheriff's asking if we could consider renewal of that for at least one more year. The, the property owner is willing to, to do multi-year leases if, if the board wants to try to do that, or let's just say if the board will grant whatever the board's decision is. Is there an advantage to doing one over the other annually versus a multi-year? Um, say that you would lock into that rate I see. Yeah. Uh, would be pretty good because uh, the lease itself does not have an automatic um, change in it mm -hmm. and so it might be to the advantage to do it for at least two years if not more. Okay. Well, let's listen to that for, for next time. Three years. Three years. Two, three years. Two, three years. Three, yeah. Whatever you want to do. Entertain a motion. Sorry. Sorry. Yo, Joey, what, what's um, I remember when it came for us before us last year, but what's what's in that um, what's in that book? That's where um, Major Kirkendall has their operation out there, patrol operations that he runs. I think also traffic control runs out of there too, and I know they do most training. Of the training they have, I got a big training room out there, and they do have the um, uh, new evidence room okay. that they've got in there too. Mm -hmm. That the guy special, Mr. Kellen Hodges, mm -hmm. specially built for them. One across the street there, they they, they don't do nothing in there. Uh, they, they do still have, I believe, the uh, drug interdiction force operates out of there. Okay. Okay. Can I take a motion? One year lease renewal. Oh, uh, you want you want to do one or two? One or two. I mean, we we have the option. Let's, let's do one now with in two. Yeah, I, yeah, I would maybe suggest to try to do at least two. Right. Uh, Mr. Be same term. Mr. Chairman. Um, I make motion that that we uh, continue or renew our, our current lease on the property off of 196 for a two-year lease agreement. So second. Motion second. We renew the lease at a two-year agreement versus one same same rental fee. Same right. Lease fee. We're locking it in for two years. Right. Any further discussion? Uh, I just got one question. Um, the the owner of the property. I mean this. That's that's what um, that's what he wants. He he, he indicated to, to Major Kirkendall that he would entertain a multi-year lease. Right, under the same terms. Okay. All in favor, show of hands, please. Motion, motion passes. Agreement's renewed. All right. Mr. Chairman, another thing um, because I think this failed to put it on there was the, uh, really two actions related to, to this part. One before you is an intergovernmental agreement for the effective delivery of services between the city of Hinesville and Liberty County. This, this was a document that was actually generated as part of the local option sales tax disbursement uh, back in 2010, 2011 actually. 
uh, a year after the last census count. And on the very, if you go to the very back, I've attached a copy that I think we talked about in the last meeting of the new projected fiscal distribution that's been agreed upon uh, by all but one of the cities now, and I think the city of Pineville is entertaining it tonight. So one of the actions would be to um, basically agree to the distribution percentages, and I would agree that ours did not decrease, even though our census decreased in proportionate share to everybody else. Uh, the city of Hinesville actually made some uh, adjustments and, and allowed us and some other cities to have some larger percentages so that they were made more whole. We were made completely whole. Some of the cities, except for one, lost population, but their ability to give up some of their percentage, them being the city of Hinesville, allowed some of those smaller cities to get a little bit larger percentage than they would have gotten if we just went by census numbers. So one of the actions we need to take is basically for this. The other thing, and really what the intergovernmental agreement is for, is in 2010, 2011, city and county sat down and realized that under state law, you're really supposed to try not to have duplication of services where you charge citizens of a taxing municipality uh, doubly. Okay, so on the last page of that agreement, and it's listed as Exhibit B, We've actually been practicing this for the last 10 years or 11 years. And basically we take services that, that we budget for in our budget that the city also budgets for in their budget. So their city taxpayers are already paying for it. Um, and we roll back the city taxes or the county taxes inside the city of Hinesville. We don't do it for any other municipality because there's no other municipality that also assesses taxes at the current time. So, you know, if that ever changes, we'd have to consider some type of rollback possibly for them also. But you see those description of, of the services there. Again, they're the services the city also pays for their taxpayers on, so it's really not fair <coughs> for their city taxpayers to pay these twice on both the county and city tax. Uh, so what the agreement does um, was is detail those duplicated services and says that we will agree to continue to roll back the county taxes for the incorporated area Hinesville for any duplicated service. And, uh, and, and this is what those are. So they're, they're I wanna say they're companion agreements, but not really. I think the best course of action is to, is to take them in two separate things. We have to have a motion to accept the certificate that we sign and send to the state of Georgia. And then we have a separate intergovernmental agreement for services renewed with the city of Hinesville. Uh, but basically this changes nothing been going on. We actually were, we actually took a couple off of these duplicated services because they were no longer applicable. And I'd be able to answer any questions I think that you might have. Everyone clear on the presentation? What's the interim government agreement at the agreed upon percentages? That's the first statement Jack Jones. And then the second is the uh, uh, duplication. The duplication certificate distribution. Yes, Chairman, I make the motion we approve the intergovernment agreement with the city of Hinesville for services, delivery services. Which one was that? That's the first one. It's ABB. Okay. The other is for distribution. Okay. Using services, okay. Yes, sir. All right. Second, can I hear a second? Second. Okay. Any further discussion? All in favor, show of hands. <laughs> 
now for the old government agreement. Chair, I'm, I'm making a motion that, that we approve uh, the certificate of distributions between us and, and the rest of the municipalities within Liberty County as presented. Second. 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 Second to the zone go agreement for disbursement of uh, funds based on the percentages presented. Any further discussion? I would just like to say uh, to the city of Hinesville, I appreciate uh, their hard work and dedication for not, not just for them, but to the community as a whole and being a team player. Thank y'all. All in favor by show of hands, please. <laughs> it, it's good to be in a community that absolutely said it, but it's great to be in a community that is now. Uh, along those lines, I will share with you that the uh, committee that's been assigned to work on service agreements with those cities uh, has met. And uh, tell you internally, we've already met too after that meeting, and we're getting a call today related to that. But just wanted to make sure that committee wanted y'all to, to know uh, that that had occurred. And so we're working on that process to move forward. Um, and just uh, announcement, I, I, this came in really late. We'll put it in there, but it's uh, an Ameris Bank uh, function. So I'll put that in there. And the countywide planning workshop. Countywide planning workshop is next week. Uh, actually starts Thursday morning. And for those of y'all that have made arrangements, then uh, check in Wednesday night if you set up or check in Thursday morning and then we'll work through uh, 12 o'clock on Friday. Anything else we'll do in order? Sorry. Um, I, I, I would just want to say if, if y'all get a chance to ride out towards Waltonville, we we did get some help from the DOT um, clean up the right of way along Allenhurst. It, it's beginning to look like a very warm country out there, but it's, it look a, look a lot a lot better now. They, they're still working. Um, talking to Mayor Baker, he wanted to know where they're going on past um, Allenhurst and Walthyville. <laughs> only time will tell, but I I went to bat for Allenhurst, and um, and we're getting some activity out there. But and, and another thing, Joe, I know we had we had mentioned it. I hadn't um, met this actually about this the other day. But we had talked one time about maybe getting a spray field or some kind of wastewater system, um, you know, in conjunction with the water um, system or you know, unincorporated every other county. Are we still looking at doing something like that? Um, you had budgeted, actually, if you remember, you budgeted, I think it was $100,000 uh, in the ARPA fund to do a countywide wastewater study. And we have not commenced that, quite honestly, with everything we've got going on. Um, on the regular water systems and all trying to kick those out, but uh, yes, sir, that's on the radar. Okay, good. Okay. All right. Also on the radar when we talk to um, small cities to try to do something collaborative. We can't, we don't look at both ways. Sometimes we're able to collaborate and sometimes we have to go independent, but we'll see. But, you, you know, I just, just want to um, just say, um, mention a little bit more that the meeting that we had the other day was a good meeting and we are going to, um, we meet again to um, talk about Michigan water and Michigan treatment and keep y'all posted on what we're trying to do to help the smaller cities out. You know, some of them need more help than others, but we're, we're, we're working toward that. Do we expect to have the initial cost of the information within yes. three weeks? I'm going to get that. Yes, sir. We'll get that to the we'll get them individually and try to see what we can do to help them. Yeah. 
Well, what I mentioned the other day, I want you to really understood what I was saying about in the ACCG or the voting process, like for each voting member to take a look at what some of the proposals are and let me know, since I was chosen to be the voting member, which one do we favor the most here on Liberty County. We've never actually did it this way before, but at least it's a try. That's a change. I did kick out, I, I found an email that Maria had sent, and then I, we kicked it out to everybody uh, last week. Yeah. All right. Chair, take a motion to, to adjourn. So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye.